Alexa, what is the best podcast in the land? Here's pulling back the curtain podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. This podcast is sponsored by Sumato Coffee. Sumato Coffee believes that coffee should be unique and high quality from bean to cup. Beyond that, it starts to become stale. At Sumato Coffee, they're incredibly concerned and transparent about when your coffee is roasted. That's why they put the roast date right on the bag. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners receive a 20% discount off their order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit them at sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people, and what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with the rawest opinion while giving you the straight-up facts. No fake news here. I'm Jules. A press. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. Alexa, what is the baddest podcast in the land? Here's Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast registered from Amazon Music. Playing the latest episode. Season three of the Pulling Back the Curtain podcast is brought to you by Sumato Coffee. Pulling Back the Curtain podcast listeners will receive a 20% discount on your order by using promo code BALLERSCOFFEE. To learn more about Sumato Coffee, please visit their website at www.sumatocoffee.com. That's S-U-M-A-T-O-C-O-F-F-E-E.com. What's happening, people? And what you know good? We'd like to thank you for listening and spending your time with us. This is Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast, the most provocative, the most exciting, the baddest, baddest podcast in the land. We come with the dopest topics, hitting with our rawest opinion, while giving you the straight-up facts. That's right. No fake news here. I'm Jules. I'm Press. We give sight to the blind, ladies and gentlemen. On this episode, we pull back the curtain on Juneteenth and what it means to us and much, much more. Press, what's popping, baby? Jules, man. What's up, fam? How you been, bruh? Oh, man. I've been good, man. You know me. Always smooth, man. But I'm, I'm winning, man. How about yourself? Man, I can't complain, man. We are back. Season three in the building. Yes, sir. Season three, folks, man. I'm excited, man. I'm excited, President. Anything, man. I'm just I'm just excited. I'm going to tell you one thing, audience. Uh, this season's going to go down. It's going to go down as a memorable one. We're going we gonna to pull back the curtain on a lot of things. We're going to have a lot of conversations this season that a lot of people aren't having right now. And Jules and I wanted to take some time to just be thoughtful in the type of content that we're going to put together. But you guys are not going to be disappointed about what we do this upcoming season. Jules, man, Father's Day weekend on the horizon, brother. Yes, sir, man. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there and soon to be fathers or yeah, future fathers. <laughs> Yeah, or, or fathers that don't know that they're a father yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, you your father, but just don't know it, right? <laughs> so we cover we cover everybody now. We cover That's you right. all now. We're not leaving any of you brothers out, man. Enjoy your day. This is about you. And a public service announcement for the ladies out there. I don't want to see none of y'all on social media claiming the day for yourselves. Man, you are not a father. Much. Right. Get a man the respect that they deserve. yeah. Man, just one day. You guys got 364 days. We just want one. Just one. Let that man get that big piece of steak and keep it moving out there in them streets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Normally, we go over there and, and grill for my, uh, for my pops and stuff like that and give him his gifts and stuff and just hang out with him. 
what's uh what's going what's on the grill? Uh, what what y'all gonna do? Uh, I got to talk to my brother. I, I'm honest. It's always ribs. Always ribs. I know my father, he's a big steak man, so I know we're going to give a T-bone. Maybe some southern uh, fried potatoes and bread. And, and I know he love uh, famous Amos cookies, so I got to go to the store and buy him some cookies and stuff. So. Okay. All right. He like them. Do he yeah. uh, do he heat them up or he just eat them just out, out, the, uh, out the bag? No, nah, he eat them straight off the bag. Okay. okay. All he right, just, then. Straight off the bag. I know my mom, she's going to do some spaghetti. And you know what that means, Press? What's that? <laughs> some sweet baby rays on them things. Listen, I'm telling you, we got to revisit this conversation, <laughs> this foolishness audience that you guys spoke. <laughs> Y'all called foul on this man with this barbecue spaghetti. Jules, I want to. I just want to make sure. Are you okay, brother? Are you okay? <laughs> man, listen, I had spaghetti, man, I want to say four days ago, and I was like, I started laughing to myself because all the emails talking about, like, like that is disgusting. Nope. Listen, Chris, if people had never had some, how can you critique on it? Try it first. Try it and you'd be amazed. Hey. <laughs> now, all you have to do is just sprinkle a little barbecue sauce on some spaghetti and whip it around. <laughs> I can't subscribe, Jules. You're my boy. I okay, can't subscribe right. to that. Mm-mm. But okay. listen, now you heard him. He's all ready for, t- for, for tomorrow because that man about to mess up some more spaghetti around here. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Jules. <laughs> I'm going to do it forever. But you know what, though? Be you, right? At the end of the day, man, that's your thing. I respect that. You know, peer pressure, that don't change anything. Because, you know, I got some I got some ways. I don't care. <laughs> now, now, Prez, let, let me ask you something now. Have you, now, have your barbecue, uh, uh, your barbecue beans, have they ever mixed up with your spaghetti? And yes or no? No, because uh, I don't eat uh, beans. Oh, really? Mm-mm. Nope. Okay. All right. So, well, so okay. I, I, don't, I do not have that problem. But now I'll say this, because now he brought up a, a, a deeper question here. I'm also one of those food snobs, bro. I don't like my food touching necessarily. I get real weird about Ooh, this. So okay, at, gotcha. At cookouts. Gotcha. Bro, I've been looking at the people that had them like plates that had a little separator. I'm like, yeah, that's the only thing in life that right. should be separated is my food. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> but hey, Jules, I got a new fair of foul that I want to bring up, man. So I was on a recent flight. Southwest, most of you guys that, that take that airline, you know, the seats are first come, first serve, right, Jules? Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. So you'll have people that'll have like an A boarded group because generally I'm in the pre board A group section. So you get on there. And so you kind of see people that have the, the A boarding that'll try to like save seats for like somebody in their party. You know, generally if it's the seat next to you, not probably that big of a deal. But I saw these people on this most recent flight, Jules, and I want to get your fair file. And audience, I want to get your fair file on this. But this lady gets on there in the A-boarded group, and then now she's trying to reserve or hold a whole row of seats in front of her. So every time someone tries to come and get that seat, she's like, oh, no, no I got people that are uh, going to be sitting here. And I'm sitting here watching this thing, and I'm thinking, like, oh, they must just be, like, maybe a couple, you know, places behind. They were in a whole uh-huh. nother boarded group. They were, like, in the B or C boarded group, bro. And I'm sitting oh, no. here like, how can you do that? So, Jules, fair or foul on people saving a row of seats in front of them and not just a seat maybe next to them where they can just make sure they're, maybe their 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 kid or their their spouse, you know, can sit next to them. But saving a whole row mm. of seats in front of you? What you think about no, that? No, that's foul. No, that's foul. No, yeah, that's, that's foul. That's what I kind of thought. So I was like, and I went to tell her, if you care about no. the people uh, sitting in, in the row in front of you, uh, tell the people to pay the $15 and upgrade that boarding position. Right. Right. That ain't cool. No. no, that's not. That's not. No, that's a, that's a big foul. 
That's a big fight. Where my flag at? So I can throw it. Oh, yeah, threw the flag out. <laughs> the flag. Hey, man, that's a big foul. Now, see, I don't have that problem because I'm always back there in the back with uh, with with uh, with the tail end of the plane because I don't get money like that. So, so I don't have problems that way. So, but hey, hey, that's a foul, Chris. Well, you know, Jules, you can pay the fifteen dollars man to get in that A group now. I mean, we, we we listen. We seen them cars you be driving now. You 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 doing all right? Oh. Okay. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> you got that digital monopoly. No. We have not forgotten about that digital monopoly, bro. Oh, don't, man. don't don't play with us. I talk about the tail of the plane. That's by choice, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That is by choice. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, people gonna be like, man, that jewel's cheap to money. Fifteen, you don't want to pay fifteen dollars to upgrade? Like, damn. <laughs> I, I can attest, ladies and gentlemen, he's tight like a Las Vegas. <laughs> 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 but but no, Prez, no, that's a big that's a big foul, big foul. No, I, I agree. I thought the same, but I want to get the audience uh, uh, thoughts on this as well because you probably got a couple of our listeners are probably sitting up here like, man, I do that shit and y'all fucked up for doing it. But anyway, we want to hear from you. <laughs> Fair <Damn>. foul. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. All right, Jules. Before we get into these mailbag questions, man, Tupac man would have been fifty this week, bro. I wanted to talk about man. that for a couple minutes with you, bro. And before we get into it. I'm going to give my thoughts to Jada Pinkett Smith as she mourns the mm-hmm. true love of her life, you know, during this week, because uh, we already know how she felt about Tupac. Sorry, Will, but, you know, Tupac was the love of her life. So you just have to deal with yeah, that. It was real close. It was real close, man. Real close. But yeah, man, they came up together, man. Yeah, they did. They did. And you know what? Every year, man, you can just tell she just puts all her love and thoughts on, on her uh, on her social medias for him. I'm like, man, I don't know how I feel if I was Will about that. But, you know, whatever. See, you on her. Mm-hmm. That was her guy. And he was taken out on some sensitive stuff. And, you know, it's just just life, man. It's messed up, man. Speaking on that, man, what was your favorite Pac song? Prayers is too many of them. Yeah, sure is. But I know we talked about on um, season two, I believe, on when I go to the gym, I play that uh, No More Pain. Yep. That thing right there, get me energized and pumped. Now, that's just one of them. There's so many Pac songs I love, but that's just, that's the one I I, I, I listen to pretty much on a daily basis. Okay, I can rock with that one. I agree with you, man. There's too many to, too many to speak of, to be honest, bro. Honestly, this answer probably could change depending on my mood. I would say Hit em Up mm-hmm. is my current energy right now oh. for many reasons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you're talking about going to war, man. Right? But well, we're going to delve into that a lot this season. So, audience, just we're going we gonna to park that for now. <laughs> but mm. I would say probably Letter to My Unborn uh, Child. That's okay. like my favorite Pac song. And one thing okay. about Pac, Jules, and for our audience, it's real easy for people to label him to be like some sort of a gangster rapper. And, and I know he kind of played up to that uh, role to a, to a degree. But he was more than that, man. And I think that a lot of times when you look at his uh, legacy, to me, I respected the poet poet uh, part of his craft. The guy was an actor, mm-hmm. but then also in his music, man, he was like an activist before activism even became a thing in hip hop, you know, in, in popular culture, right? Yep. And he yep, was doing correct. that not for clout, but that was exactly what he felt and thought because that's how he was brought up. So those are some things, man, when I think about Pac, I love like just that aspect of him. And then on that track, the one that I talked about, Letter to My Unborn, that one, he reflected on his, like, life, you know, coming up. And then he addressed death directly, right? And so he also, like, gave it as a warning to, like, his basically potential offspring about the dangers that they were going to face in life. So that song right there, man, that thing, that... And it's crazy because it came out after he passed. So it came out in 2001. But, man, it was a dope-ass song. Oh, right. 
Right, right. That's what I haven't heard that one. Why I'm gonna go back after the show? I'm gonna go back and listen to it because I haven't heard that. I haven't heard that one in a minute. Yeah, I went to uh, I went to work out early this morning, man, and I had I had my pop playlist going on, and man, I was doing some uh, squats, man. And that hit them up came on, Jules. I'm talking about, boy, I was firing Ooh. them boys, firing them boys. I was surprised. I was surprised you wasn't going around slapping people. <laughs> Right <laughs> after I slammed that rack, man. What you looking at? <laughs> oh, hey, hey, hey. so hey, Prez, what, what was you squatting over there, man? Well, you know, I'm humble with it. I'm, I'm in, I'm in the five, I'm in the five club over there. Oh hell no, hell no, damn. <laughs> oh, man, are you? Hey, listen, man, are you rapping them knees, man? Or are you, are you good? I'm rapping them, man. You got okay. to know. You got okay. to know. Yeah, uh, man, my knees are screaming right now. Man, but you know what? We 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 graduated a long time ago, man. So you gotta wrap them knees. You gotta wrap them knees. Yes, you yes, you do. I I'm not trying to be out there like my boy CT. <laughs> He's all broken up <laughs> no. now, ain't he? No, right. No, 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 no. <laughs> Especially going up hitting them numbers, 500. Ooh, wow. But I, I got to, man, for all the running, man. I gotta be ready for it, you know. So yeah, man, I definitely yeah, you gotta, good. Yeah, you I good. definitely try to take care of the legs. But man. Okay. Let's let's get into some of these mailbag questions. We got a lot of them. And audience, I'm just gonna be honest with you. We probably got about 40 questions that's just like just sitting in the email. We're gonna get to them. We'll probably pepper them in during some of the episodes, but just know we see them. We got them tagged, we got them added somewhere. So you'll get your questions answered. We promise. <laughs> um, yeah, so hold on now. We'll get them. We'll get to you. That's right. So the first question came over from Scott, and Scott's from Omaha, Nebraska. He wanted to know what our thoughts were on the Kwame Brown situation. Jules, talk to him. Man, prayers. That right there, I'm sitting up there listening to, you know, I'm going back and forth to the, the sports center and, you know, networks like that. And Cass was just talking about this Kwame Brown. I'm like, man, what is going on with this? And I'm watching him. He's snapping off. Okay, what what happened? Mm-hmm. So to my understanding, Jeannie Buss was on uh, Up in Smoke, I believe. It's the podcast with... with uh, all, all, all the Smoke. Yep. All the Smoke. I'm sorry. I'm yep. sorry, guys. Don't come at well, me. I'm you know sorry. What he, but he right, because this podcast is Up in Smoke after Kwame got rid of him. So you're right, Jules. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, and Jeannie Buss was on there one uh, one episode, and she was talking about the trade, and they ended up trading uh, Kwame Brown with Marcus Gasol. It was Marcus Gasol, yeah. Powell's Marcus Gasol. Yep. yep. And what's, what's the light-skinned boy now? You talking about uh, uh, Becky with the good hair? Matt yeah, Barnes. what's the, Yeah, Matt Barnes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks, man. Yeah, Matt Barnes had kind of made a little slap remark. And then the next week, Gilbert Renis was on that show and they were just going in on him. So Carmen Brown took that and just ran with it. And just, he just, he did a Pac move. Talk, speaking of Pac, when he was going after Death Row and Bad, I mean, uh, with Bad Boys and 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 and, and Lucy, <laughs> man, Kwame Brown did the same thing. I mean, praise he went after Jamil Hill, Matt Barnes, Jack, Stephen Smith. Now Stephen A. Stephen A. Been riding Kwame Brown for years. Yes, he has for years. Come on, busting them. So listen, what uh, uh, <laughs> KB was talking about. KB talking about he'll slap Stephen A. Smith so hard it'll look like he have hair. <laughs> <laughs> he called Jack. He called Jack a fake BLM activist. Mm-hmm. Gilbert, he said he was the he was the whitest, whitest black, black boy dude. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> man. And he said he looked like Dennis the Menace too, which had me fucking dying. <laughs> and I'm sitting up there like, man, this dude went in and he didn't stop. 
No, he's still going. He's still going. I know he got uh his podcast. A, it's going to be called Mama's Life. Cooking. That's his YouTube channel. Uh, but he's going to have his own podcast. It's going to be called Mama's Cooking. Well, you got to watch what you say about, about folks. You don't know what, what state of mind people are in or what what kept, what straw broke the camel's back because, and obviously so, he was right for it, defend himself. He had to because too many people was coming down and calling him a bus. Now, let's be honest. Perez, as his number one draft pick, 2001. 2001. I believe. He had a decent career, but did he live up to the expectation of being that number one pick and stuff? Now, could it have been... Could have been Jordan was just too hard on him and, and broke that his ment his mental his mental capacity his you know I I don't know could be could be not I'm not sure I but you know he got a lot of money millions from we playing he played 13 years seven different teams and stuff so people saw some in him to keep him on the roster he's in a supporting his family and stuff like that so that's, he had a decent career but was it up to number one uh, expectation I don't think so but. You got to watch what you say about people. You could address it in a way where, hey, listen, he's not, I wouldn't call him a scrub or a buster or nothing like that. I would just say he just didn't live an expectation for that, number, for that number one spot. But then I don't like the fact he was going into the part. He was hitting him with personal shots, too. And it was and it was it went kind of it went kind of deep. And it was like, oof. Like, man, somebody need to call this brother in. Like, hey, hey, listen, man, I apologize for it. I think Charlemagne the God even apologized because he, you know, talked some stuff about his family. He was just putting some information about his family. And, and Kwame Brown, KB, came back at him like, you know, you don't, you don't do that and stuff. And Charlemagne apologized about that. It was just a lot of stuff to take in, man. And it was like, wow. I, I just wish we wouldn't go back and forth like that because it don't look good on both, on both sides. This is what I'll say, Jules. It's okay for these individuals to have an opinion of Kwame Brown, Stephen A. Smith, Matt Barnes, Stephen Jackson, whatever. And then Charlemagne, the guy, invoked himself mm -hmm. into the situation. That's fine. But it's another thing to do what people in the media t have a tendency to do, and that's to take shots, to play with people's names. And mm -hmm. Stephen A. Smith has been doing that shit to Kwame Brown for over 20 years. And so to oh, your yeah. point, Jules... You brought up the fact of, hey, that must have been the straw that broke the camel's back on that podcast when they started joking, talking about that was a one-person trade and excluded him, and they were hitting each other on the mm -hmm. leg like little schoolgirls, like, oh, yeah, we, mm -hmm. we, we clowned him. Well, guess what? Mm -hmm. Kwame got the last laugh, and boy, did he ever. He's not letting oh, up on boy. them fools. He is not letting oh. up on them. This is what I'm going to say to you, Scott, and for all of our listeners. No one wants to be verbally disrespected or disrespected at all. Now, let alone imagine yourself an 18, 19-year-old kid and be, people are dragging your name through the mud. Now, to Jules's point, Kwame was the number one pick in the draft. It's subjective on whether his career, you know, matched up. Obviously, there's been a lot of number one picks that haven't panned out. I wonder mm -hmm. why he was the one that everybody pointed to as being a bust when we've seen in history. It's been a lot of top picks that haven't panned out. For some reason, though, they sure. wanted to kind of focus in on Kwame Brown. I think there's something deeper there. And we may get into that in a future episode. Now, to one point that Jules brought up that I really want to focus in on real quick. We're tearing down somebody and calling them a bust. We're calling somebody a bust that at the age of 19 was a millionaire. Over the course of his life, he earned over $60 million. We're calling somebody a bust that basically had an athletic or academic scholarship to the University of Florida, even without basketball. So we're not talking mm -hmm. about somebody that needed to dribble to get out of a bad situation. He's a sharp and intelligent brother. We call somebody a bus that was able to provide for his family, take care of his mama, and has yes, built sir. a great life for himself. 
Now, I just want y'all to just sit back and think about that. Is that a bus life? Because if that's a bus hey. life, then you sign me up for that shit right fucking now. What do you say, 56 million? Shit, 65, something up there. 65, 65 something like that? Hey. <laughs> hey, where's sign, press? <laughs> Dude, right? <laughs> And we can get you from we get you out of the back of that damn plane. Shit. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, Lord. <laughs> I'm back there talking to the flight attendants, man. Hey, what y'all cooking back there? Right. He's like, y'all got some mama's cooking going too? Y'all better. <laughs> but, but one thing I wanted to say on this, man, because this conversation, this just brings up even a deeper conversation that I don't think a lot of people are willing to have. And we're gonna go deep this season on this on this podcast. But Stephen A. Smith, Matt Barnes. Steven Jackson, Charlemagne the God, I got a message for y'all. Y'all need to use y'all platforms to uplift our people and not let these corporations use their narratives about Kwame and other athletes of color. Mm -hmm. Stop letting them use you to do their work. Because I'm telling you one thing, I'm not about tearing down another brother or anyone in this community. And I will never use this platform to do that because I am sick of these narratives that are out there. There's been plenty of, of players in the NBA and the NFL that have been white, black, it don't matter, that haven't panned out. Why are we picking on this one person? That's why he went off. He kept his right, mouth shut for right. 20 years. Now, I want anybody in this audience that's listening to this show, imagine somebody played games with your name for two decades. How would that make you feel? Just think on that. And Scott, to end this up real quick, I got a rhetorical question for you. When was the last time you heard of a golf bust? Or a tennis bust. Why are the sports that are played predominantly by black people the only sports that the bust term is thrown around? And, it's, and they throw that term around really loosely. That's just something for y'all to think about. Because for Kwame Brown, the NBA and basketball wasn't his end-all, be-all. I felt like the NBA was a stepping stone for, for him to actually do what he probably was meant to do to all alone. He's using his platform, and he's going after Charlemagne the God and bringing uh, truth to life for his past. That he tries to hide and bury. Yeah. Because you cannot do the things that you've done, Charlemagne the God, and then be out here pointing the figure at Kwame Brown and talking about his parents and his yeah. and his brothers and stuff are killers. Well, right. bro, right. you allegedly raped somebody. You allegedly drugged somebody's drink. So you can't be out here pointing no fingers. And that's the thing that I be telling you, Jules, about folks. Folks will get out here and they'll throw stones, but they mm -hmm. don't look at themselves in the mirror. Mm -hmm. they, they ain't glass houses now. Everybody have a pass. Everybody, Everybody. has now. Everybody. He's all once X something. So yes. you, you got to be more empathetic and sympathetic on, on, on other people's if, even that it is false and stuff like that. And prayers like you hit it on the head, man. We're going to get deeper in that conversation because that needs to be addressed and talked about. People, you know, we just got to just respect each other like you want to be respected. I've been preaching that for it since season one. <laughs> I'm the last person that's going to point a finger about what somebody's done in their personal life. I've made plenty of mistakes. Mm -hmm. I make mistakes every day. I'm still learning and evolving as a man. You're going to keep on what, making what, mistakes too. What the fuck do I look like over here trying to act right. like I'm perfect? I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. I've also had people take shots at me on social media, on different platforms. But guess what? When you know your worth, you're going to do what Kwame Brown did. He sat back, made his money, lived his life, and he did his thing. And that's the same thing that I implore each of you guys to do. Yeah, somebody disrespects you and they play on your name. Okay, you got the right to defend yourself. But sometimes you got to look at the source of the person that's calling you out. And when I look at these people that are calling him out, I think there's a little bit of jealousy. I think there's being in play with this Kwame Brown situation. 
And I think these people all have to look at themselves in the mirror and they can't now run and play victim now because Kwame is bringing their personal lives into, into the forefront. Ooh, man. You got to be careful when you sit up here, you want to key key and you want to joke about somebody because he wasn't the one to mess with. <laughs> I think we learned oh, that. He sure, <laughs> man, he sure not, man. Hey, KB, you good with us, man. I tell you that, man. <laughs> Listen, we don't want no smoke, Kwame. We don't want none of that mama's cooking over here. We good. No, sir. I got my own mother's cooking over here. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Me too. I haven't had none in a while, but, I, you know. I, I, I. <laughs> the, uh, the next mailback question, Jules, it, uh, it came over from our brother Justin in, in Michigan City, Indiana. Shout out to you, Justin. Okay. He wanted to get your thoughts on the criticism that LeBron James received for being at his son Bronny's game with Drake and his former teammate, J.R. Smith. What was the problem with it? I looked at the uh, highlights and stuff. I, it's like a normal parent, uh, father with, let's say, his friends or uncles and stuff like that going to see his kid play. Yeah. And it's LeBron. But people in the stands was, you know, well, a lot of, a lot of people in the stands when it was, was cool with it. He was one of the players from the team was saying the crowd was electrifying and they was on charge. And, you know, LeBron was, was cheering them on and stuff. And that was a good feeling. I don't see the problem with it. First and foremost, Jules, hell of a point, because could you imagine when we was playing sports at high school and one of our teammates' father was on that type of level, bro? You would play the best game you ever played in your life because right. you'd be trying to impress that person. So what the hell's the problem? Right. Now, I'm just going to say this. Uh-oh, okay. I told y'all listeners in season one of this podcast what I thought about Barstool Sports because they were the ones that went on their platform and basically disrespected LeBron and said that he was taking the attention from his son and putting it on himself. Oh, God. That's a trash-ass opinion. And I'm just saying, criticizing a father for celebrating his kid and supporting right. him, that's just lame, Jules. It's lame. Right. So he would have that that person who wrote that would did the same thing at his at his son's uh, basketball game, son or daughter basketball game. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, man. We we can't come pick and, we can't pick and choose the stuff that we want to tear somebody down about. Now I'll say, right. I got a, I got another one of my rhetorical questions. This is for Justin, this is for Jules, this is for the rest of the audience. What would have been the narrative if LeBron wasn't at his son's games? Right. Think right. It would have been like, where was LeBron? Where his son? Right. It would have been, where was LeBron at? Why uh-huh. his son was playing the championship game? Yep. Oh, he so, must have been off doing something for him. For him. Yep. Off one of for his uh, financial interests or something like that. Yeah. So, right. And, I, and this is the thing, Jules, when it comes to not just LeBron James, but I feel like black men and black fathers as a whole, you can't win for lose because you're going to be criticized whether you do or you don't. It's not going to be good enough on one end for one person or somebody going to say you're doing too much. So mm-hmm. it's like, at this point, LeBron, do you, man. That's your yeah. child. Yeah. You do whatever you see fit. Because, and I'm just going to say something right here. This is this is something else where y'all going to see, you're going to get a lot of this on season three. We're in a society that wants to keep the black father out of the home. And on the eve of Father's Day, I'm going to salute each and every one of you fathers that serves as a positive role model for your children. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing the things that LeBron is doing, not just showing up to games, but each and every day, you're doing the things that mold these children and make them to be productive human beings, I salute you. You do whatever you want. You make sure you stay in those households. I don't care what the world says about us. We are right. not that. Uh-huh. Right, right. Even Oprah even Oprah was like, hey, I'm, I'm speaking about positive black men because we need that narrative. A lot of times, you know, like I said, media like to, you know, tear down the black men. There's a lot. A lot of great black men out there. And those are the ones we, we want to focus on. Positive information on black men and stuff. Who's take, taking care of their, doing their responsibility, taking care of their families, molding their children, put them in a the path where they need to go. So, you know, they don't derail from that 
we talking about those, man, in prayers. Hey, I'm with you. Fuck Barstool. That's all I got to say. <laughs> the next question comes over from Derek. He's out in Shorewood, Illinois. All right, Big uh, D. Big D, out by uh, Joliet. Okay. He got a two-part question. The first part of the question is, he wanted to know how he felt about Mayor Lightfoot and her one-on-one media policy that she had when it came to minority journalists. And then the second okay. part of the question is, he wanted to know our thoughts on Mayor Lightfoot's statement regarding the Bears' potential move to Arlington Heights. The one-on-one, it was just what well, one day where she just had the uh, minority reporters come in and interviewers. Yeah, they it's a one day she did one-on-one interviews just for those journalists of color and she okay. did not request for anyone that was not of color. You know, man, it's a little tricky. But as the mayor, I wouldn't have said anything. I would just done it. So I would just be like, hey, let me get such and such or such and such to do an interview or you know, this and that. I wouldn't say anything. Because you know now you get backlash, well, you know, racism and this and that and how could she she mad she should supposed to be fair and part and all that, that you know, you know, so it's like mm-hmm. I would just did it. I wouldn't explain nothing. So let me let me ask you because so I, I and I'm I'm not sure exactly how this works, but I thought the media has to request these interviews in advance. So I think she had to give some sort of a statement on I'm I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm not sure, right? No. Yeah. But to your point though, I do think that, yeah, I mean, may, maybe making the announcement public isn't that thing to do. But I think mm-hmm. that's probably a deeper part of the conversation here. So, Derek, when I looked at this, I thought she's trying to bring awareness to an issue that actually is glaring. And people kind of took it and they ran with it and they started calling her racist to like to Jules's point. Where were those same people at when we seen mayors and governors, we seen presidents, and you look at the people that are asking these people questions in that press row? They don't look like me or Jules. No. <laughs> there's no there's no women out there. So if she wanted to do this for one day, who cares? At the end of the day, there's bigger fish to fry in this city. So we're going to sit here and we're going to come at her for that. There's other things you can come at her about, but I'm not going to come at her for her trying to build some sort of uh, awareness to an issue that, that goes on. And we talked about this, Jules, in season two um, on our episode. We talked about the 51 women, uh, their their cases have uh-huh. been un- unsolved. And I talked about the lack of diversity in these newsrooms. And that's a lot of times why the stories of our communities, the stories of Black people, especially how we talked about earlier, the stories of Black men out here being productive role models, these stories aren't being told. Because guess what? You can't tell a story if you don't relate to that. Meaning, if the people in those in those newsrooms aren't Black, they're going to paint narratives that they don't know what the hell they're talking about. And that's what the hell happens a lot of times in the media. So I salute the mayor on one instance and the fact that she was trying to bring awareness, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I also want the mayor to focus on the issues that are really plaguing this city. Now, I really salute her on what she was trying to do there. But we got issues with crime, policing. The finances of our city are fucked. Access for people in the community, our inner cities, have no resources. We talk about that so much. And don't let me get started on public education. So, Ms. Mayor, I just want to make sure that while you're doing this and you're bringing awareness to this, let's work on these other things, too. That's just what I want to say. No, nah, I mean, all those all those affairs and stuff. And uh, <laughs> hell, right. And if you want to hop, hop on, on on this one, man, it's that's small potatoes right there. You know, you guys are, you know, far as the people that's in these newsrooms, you guys got it 24-7. Let's be honest. So one day doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt. But it does bring, like you said, Press, does bring up those questions. All right, we need more. 
us in those positions. And if we're not getting in those positions, why not address that and go from there? So I'm praying for you, Ms. Mayor. I'm praying for you. Yeah, I'm pulling with her too, man. It's been a rough go for her, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens, uh, Jules. Now, mm-hmm. on the flip side of Derek's question, we saw yes, uh, yesterday that the Bears made a statement that they put a bid in to acquire the property there where Arlington Racetrack is. And I, I heard that there's like about 10 bids that, that got put in. The mayor then came out and she fired on the Bears and said, this is just a negotiating tactic. She said they should focus on putting a good team out on the field beating the Packers finally, and then she even said, and being relevant past October. <laughs> man. Oh, man. Hey, she firing. Who she think she is? Tupac well, Lightfoot? No, she been listening <laughs> to that Kwame Brown. Been getting that mama's cooking, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, we. Okay. Hey, I'm scared to address it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Hey, but you know what? <laughs> I, um... On that, man, I hear what she's talking about. Hey, listen, we, we want a team. We want a team. We want to go out there. We want to win. We want a championship. Well, but, yeah, you can't go too hard on them now. You got to be like, hey, you know, you got to work with them now. You got to work with them. No, and I agree with that 100%, Jules. How you going to have a, a negotiating situation where you're basically insulting them in public, right? So then when you guys get behind closed doors, now they're feeling what the hell you and send mm-hmm. out to the to the public. So that's yeah. no way to foster a, a relationship, right? Because obviously, if the Bears are doing what they're doing, that's showing you right now that that relationship is pretty splintered. So I don't know. Instead of like sending that uh, statement out, she should have probably kept that one. I don't know who the Bears PR person is, but y'all should have said, "Now you know what? You sure you want to do this?" <laughs> right, right, right. Because like you said, we uh, earlier in this uh, today's episode, uh, Prince about throwing them stones now. Mm-hmm. Listen, those things will be coming up. I heard Arlington Heights got a spot, bigger spot, and they they put their hat uh, their uh, hat and ring there. So to to say that, it's like, wait a minute, hold on now. You might you might hurt something. Me personally, I don't think the Bears are going anywhere, and I hope not. But that's not good when you when you when you say something like that. Now afterwards, when the uh, ink is dry on that contract, then you're like, all right, now go give me a championship. You can probably say it like that, but uh, like what you said, Praise, I, I would wait on that one. Yeah, I, I would say, I'm um, and Derek, thanks for those questions, man. They were awesome. For me, whether they stay or whether they leave, it don't matter. I'm still going to go to the games. But mm-hmm. Soldier Field has a lot of things that need to be changed about it. It needs to be renovated. I thought when they did the renovations uh, back in 2003, they weren't done correctly. There's no reason why if you go to a restroom at Soldier Field that you miss a half a quarter of a football game. I think that's just oh, crazy. Yeah. I think it's crazy that from the parking lot to the stadium, it's going to be 20, 30 minutes for you to walk there. That's a problem. It's a hike. It's a hike, right? <laughs> and there's just a lot of things. So, And just to be honest, the Bears don't even own their stadium. You're a billion-dollar organization, and you don't even have a say in the stadium that your team plays in. I think that's a bigger part of the problem for the Bears. Okay. Maybe that's something that can, I don't know if that can, it's something they can talk about or work out. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know because the Park District owns all that land over yeah. there. So that's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be, t- yeah, right. And who controls that or who gets say so over that? I, that's above my pay grade. <laughs> that's right. But hey, but Derek, thanks so much for the question, man. The yeah, last dude. question, the last question we got comes over from Belinda. Out in Richmond Park, out in the south suburbs in Illinois. Shout out to you, Belinda. Uh, Belinda. All right. So her question 
And this one, we're going to get deep before we get into our Juneteenth episode here. Uh, she said, what are your thoughts on the officer that was found to have stormed our Capitol building, also was found to have used the N-word? Hey, Prez, what was Mr. Neary's favorite word when he called us goofing around? Hey, man, we were jackass. <laughs> this dude was a big jackass, dude. And in other words, I'm not going to say. Prez, I saw this and I just shook my head and I said, this dude is a goddamn fool. Not mm-hmm. only he was down there, he was on medical. He was on medical from the job. So you're not, not only he traveled his ass down there to the Capitol, he's wearing his CPD sweater, hoodie. Yep. I'm not surprised. I saw this, I shook my head and laughed. And it wasn't a laugh like, hey man, this is funny. It's a laugh like, dude, how ridiculously stupid can you be? You're a police officer. You're a man. What was going on down there, If Perez, let me tell you something. If I was down there being in my position, I would help those officers, those officers that was on that front line. Let's just say if I was out there, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We went against everything we sworn to do. But, hey, two years on a job, you get a job like this, badge and gun and some power and some authority and stuff like that. Some people can't understand they control that. They're privileged and they're entitled and think they can do what they want to do. And you just can't. Your first rule is a preservation of life. And when you soak, when you see your your fellow, when you see your fellow officers or anybody in trouble, you're supposed to help. But no, he he hurt. But he's gonna be hurt now because they're gonna get rid of him. Yeah, he already got fired. Yeah. Yeah, he's so, through. Any of our listeners that heard our episode on season two where we talked about the Capitol riots, you already know I have feel about those people that were involved. And when I say people, I use that term loosely. And there's big mm-hmm. air quotes mm-hmm. around that term people. Now, anybody that was there and that was involved in those attacks. That shit left people dead. That right there, in a nutshell, is where that conversation is. Just think about that. Those attacks over a situation where a fucking former president couldn't accept the results of an election. These people took over the damn Capitol building and left people dead. Right. So now we have a former Chicago Police Department officer that got arrested and was charged with five misdemeanors regarding that situation. Yep. Now, Mm -hmm. to Jules' point. Yes, he was on medical. He was a Chicago Police Department up tire. And you know what tipped this son of a bitch off? Is that he was tweeting and taking pictures yeah. and texting mm-hmm. the whole time he was inside the building. People, I'm not here trying to help criminals out here. Can I tell you guys something about cell phones and mobile devices? Man, <laughs> they talk to him, Prince. They always track him. Come on, bro. You can't erase nothing. Hell no. This brings up a deeper conversation because not only were there people there that we talked about on the episode, they were ready for fucking combat. But I got to talk to the audience real quick about the number of people in law enforcement that were there. There have been so many officers that were off duty that were found to be in that damn Capitol building. Now, you heard Jules's point there. If he would have been there. Now, he wouldn't have been there as no damn rioter. Right. But if he would have been somewhere in that vicinity, he would have been out there helping people. Not just the officers, but the people. Because everybody, you got to protect and Mm -hmm. serve. Mm -hmm. My point is, these officers that were there, whether they retired, off-duty, on medical leave like this punk son of a bitch, whatever the case may be, you saw that your officers were being under attack. You saw that people were being hurt. You did nothing. Think about that. Exactly. Exactly. And also military folks too, uh, Perez. I shake my head to him like, I do not understand. <laughs> that was just so damn stupid and dumb. I don't understand on a, on a lie. All on a lie. On a lie. But you know, but, Jules, hey. 
That's how this world operates, man, because you I, get I was people, just about to say that, Perez. With these platforms, and that's what we were talking about earlier, and people will mm-hmm. say anything, Jules. Think about that. Mm-hmm. They'll get on this damn app because they want to have some popularity, and they'll say some things, and people don't realize how powerful words are, Jules. And that's why platforms like ours are so important, man, because but you got to be careful what the hell you say, because Trump incited a riot. He incited violence. And look at all these people that were like sheep, bro. They drove miles and miles and miles to go somewhere to fight a fake battle. What is wrong with people? Oh, man. Dude, we really, you know, people in general got to take a step back and come back to realization, man. I mean, come on. Like, what are we doing? Right. There's still people at large that were involved in those riots that are still amongst us right now that we still have no idea. It's because these are the ones that probably turned off their goddamn cell phones. They right. probably they, wore they, a mask. <laughs> right. They say, nah, you ain't tracking me. He, now, he tried to be slick and tried to get his room under his sister name. His sister ended up putting a room in her name. That's right. But, you know, he, it, it was tracked on his phone, his location and stuff like that, the tweets and texts and stuff. This is one of the things, like, boy, if I would see this dude after I beat the hell out of him, I'm like, dude, what the? We got to get back to realization, man. We got we to time out for all this. I think the social media just got everybody, well, along with the pandemic, just got everybody mind. Just, a lot of people just minds just, 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 just messed up and gullible and just angry and all that. Man, we got we got to get back to some some, some normalization here. I, I agree with that 100 percent, man. I think people need to focus on some positivity. Mm-hmm. If you people, and I'm, I'm not, and I'm not trying to take shots at any of our listeners, but if there's people that you know that are some of these people on social media that thrive on drama, drive on stuff like this, and they got all that kind of time on their hands, tell them to email pulling back the curtain podcast at gmail.com. Cause prayers, I got some things you guys can really put your time into that's for the good. Just remember that. Okay. Because if you got time to be on social media worrying about who this person's sleeping with and, and what this person is doing and worrying about what people doing in right. their personal lives, mind your goddamn business. Right, right. Ain't got right. nothing to do with you. Right. It's not fucking, uplifting and who cares? Fucking gossip and schoolgirl shit. And come on, man, who cares? At the end of the day, mind right. your business. Do something in this world that's meaningful and that's going to give back to somebody. And with that spirit, on today's show, we're going to talk about Juneteenth. The Pulling Back the Curtain podcast, we actually are sponsoring an event here in Berwyn today that I'll be going to in a little bit after we get the unrecorded. But we're sponsoring a Juneteenth event. And the point of this event is to celebrate freedom. The point of this event is to build awareness. This is the first time an event has been like that in this town. This is a major progress that the town was even open to an event like this. And we were very happy to play a small part in this event being able to to take place today. So with that being said, for our audience, Juneteenth, I just got a couple points that I want to make, and I'm just going to let Jules just take it from there. But when I look at what Juneteenth means to me, I wished that this would have been taught to me when I was in school. I didn't Mm -hmm. learn about Juneteenth until I was a grown man. That is a problem. When I think about what Juneteenth means, I look at states like Texas, that want to revoke and restrict access to our voting rights. I look at these states that want to take Black history and mentions of slavery out of the curriculum. When I think about Juneteenth, I think about things like that. Why are things like that happening in this world? Why do you want to take things out of this, out of our curriculums and out of the, the forefront that happened? We can't erase history. 
These things happen. There's ugly blemish there on American history. We can't try to hide and shield it. Hey, uh, I'm going to cover my kid's eyes up from that. No, that's not how this works. So when you look at a day like this, Juneteenth, to me, is just as important to our nation as the 4th of July. And the last couple of years, to me, Jules, when I would have people that would would, uh, hit me up and say, happy 4th, I'm like, I'll respond to it real quick. I was like, hey, did you hit me on Juneteenth? <laughs> you don't hear back from me. Damn. <laughs> but that day commemorates when enslaved people of Texas mm-hmm. finally learned that slavery had been abolished and that they were free. Mm-hmm. The reason why Jules and I wanted to do this episode is because everybody wants to talk to you about the Emancipation Proclamation. Jules, can you enlighten our audience on what year the Emancipation Proclamation was signed into law? She was January 1st, 1863. June 19th, 1865 mm-hmm. is when these individuals found out that they were free. Just imagine that. Over two years. These right. people were still in slavery, had no idea. Well, of course not. When you think about the recent demonstrations that have taken place over killings of Black Americans, systemic racism, a lot of that has brought even more awareness to Juneteenth and now the public is more aware of it. Now, I talked to you guys on a previous episode of season two where I had people come up to me and say, hey, why am I just hearing about this now? Uh, this kind of feels like it's uh, something that's being forced on us. And, you know, I took the opportunity to educate. For those that were willing to listen, Jules, in our audience, it was great conversations. For the other people okay. that just wanted to just act like this is some sort of a affront to, to white people and their sensitivities, well, I can't do anything to help you there. Because that's your own problems. That's your own insecurities. Mm-hmm. All, all I can do is tell you that from where I sit, this day is a day that I should have known about just as much as I knew about the 4th of July. This is the day I should have known about just as much as I've known about the British War. That's what mm-hmm. I want you guys to realize. There's dates in American history that are forever stamped in our heads. But why is it that dates like this continue to continue to get pushed under the rug? Why is it stories like Black Wall Street there in Tulsa stories that they don't want us to, to teach? They don't want those things for kids to know about. They don't want these things to happen for a reason. And we got to understand that and know why it is that these things are important. Prez, real quick, I was watching 48 Hours. If you listen to this and don't know what 48 Hours is, go watch it. The first one, the first one, the first one is it's a good movie. It was a part of what Nick, you remember Prez, Nick Nolan and Eddie Murphy got into a big fight and, and, and Nick kept, kept, Bad mouth on Eddie Murphy, you call him a yep. convict and watermelon and N word and stuff like that. Yep, yep. Towards the end of that movie, he said, uh, Nick Nolte apologized to Eddie and said, You know what? He was saying them things just to keep you down. And what going on collectively as a whole for black people, white people in this world, you know, do things to keep us down. Mm-hmm. Whitewashing information, our history, is what they've been doing since we got over here. We've been stripped. We've been stripped from our families and our, and our history and our heritage. And these, like you said, Prince, these are the, the, the events in history that we should know about. But no, they're, these are simulations of positive and achievement and, and accomplishment on, on what Black people can do. We're greater than, if you don't have this in you already, and if you don't know this, I'm telling you and Prince telling you, we are greater beyond it. just our expectation. We are more than just this being. You know, we can do anything we want to do. But you have people out here that's just going to keep you, want to keep you at bay. It's like they keep beating you and you're just going to stay where you at. 
It's like a, you know, it's like an elephant being chained to a tree. Now, you know how big an elephant is? An elephant can rip a tree, a little tree. Mm-hmm. But he's conditioned to stay there. So he stay there. He's locked and chained. So what I think about Juneteenth and what Juneteenth means to me is, okay, how do we get here? What comes to my vision in our ancestors being kidnapped from, from Africa? They coming over here in these tight ships and, and they're a chain and they're on top of each other. They, you know, the food is, 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 is limited. People who were sick were being thrown overboard. Then you get over here in this land and you're, you be, you're putting on auction block. You know, you're being auctioned off like you're some damn car. Mm-hmm. And families are ripped from each other. Babies are ripped from your mothers. Husbands are ripped from their families. Like I say, you strip from this heritage. You don't know who you are. Your name has changed. Mm. Then you work in these conditions where you're, you're in inhumane conditions. You're being whipped and not adequate food or adequate living situation. Of course not. You're treated less than an animal. You're three-fifths of the person. So it's like, wow. You fast forward and then, okay, you have the Emancipation Proclamation that's supposed to free the slaves. Supposed to, as a, as a key word. Mm-hmm. Two more years by before in Galveston, Texas, before the general came in and informed, hey, listen, what are you guys doing? Put those picks and forks down. <laughs> you guys are free. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. No. And then, <laughs> and then, hey, now we get, it went from end of slavery to, to Jim Crow and, 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 and other stuff, but okay. But now... Which was a new form of slavery. Right, the new form. So you, you, you have this, and it's like, hey, June 19th, 1865. Juneteenth, Jubilee Day, June the 19th, all the same, however you want to call it. But for today's time, it's Juneteenth. And this is a celebration. This is, this is liberation. Of our ancestors' blood, their tears, their sweat, their cries, you know, their life. And we, there's something now that represents to say, hey, all that wasn't, wasn't up in smoke. All that wasn't in vain. That's why I think of Juneteenth. It's, 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 it's liberating. Yeah. And, liberating. and that was well said, Jules. I, I think, too, another thing that I wish people would look at this differently. I wish that people wouldn't just look at this as an African-American holiday. I wish that Mm-mm. people could look at this exactly. as something that affects all Americans. Right. And I don't think that they do, Jules. Right. Because you still have people, some people are like, oh, well, well what is this? You're doing this to divide America. No. 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 <laughs> it's, it's like, man, people, people, you got to understand what America, this what, this is America, the United States. What a country choose to honor and celebrate and speaks to its core values and freedom is freedom of equality is what everybody should, should value, is what everybody should get behind. Mm-hmm. Everybody should get behind this. Because to be honest with you, Jules, and I'm, I'm, about, to, I'm about to say something here for, for our listeners, the people that have that type of thinking, that's the same mentality that withheld that knowledge from those people and kept them enslaved. And that mm-hmm. is the same mentality that's alive and well right now that continues to keep those chains of slavery on some. And when I say that, I mean mm-hmm. that mentally. There's still people here that have right. mental shackles. And when you look at our government, and I'm now looking at you, Republican Party, because now you guys are trying to do things out here with the voting rights and the access to voting and trying to keep this history out of the schools. Why are you doing that? I just want somebody to, to explain that to me. Make it make sense. Why don't you want people to know 
what happened in our history. Why are you trying to whitewash history? Mm-hmm. Right. Why? Well, is, is it well, press? Is it because they're ashamed of it? Hmm. Listen, is it Jules. because of their shame, or is it because they they don't want us to educate and learn and say, hey, well, you know what? Black people in this world contribute. Hell, we built this world, press. Let's be right. honest. Talk to when him. when y'all want to hear that, but we did. We did. 1619, we came over here. The hell, we didn't get this country until 1776. So guess what? We've been over here. Been over here. <laughs> We've been doing over the work. And still so doing when, the work. And still doing work. So when I look at Juneteenth and Fourth of July, hell, that's just, hey, we get two, we get two bites of that cake. We get two slices. <laughs> I mean, come on now. And so that's that's just the biggest thing here is not looking at this and saying, oh, well, what are they getting now? Because guess what? To me, and Jules brought this up on, on the earlier part of the episode here, and I'm not going to downgrade the fact that they made this a national holiday. Cool. But you know what? I'm about to say something else real quick. I'm sick of our government giving us tokens and not addressing real issues. Well, So mm-hmm. now this national holiday, that's cool. But I hope they don't think that that's addressing the situation head on and actually doing something about the conditions that are out there because they stepped right over talking about race in schools. They stopped talking about voting rights. Where are the reparations talks? Well, that's a good point. But you, go stri- but you go straight to making Juneteenth a national holiday, which for the record, I'm cool with, but we shouldn't just be sitting here celebrating it and, and screaming it at the top of our lungs about this because this is progress. But we're not done yet. Right. Right. This is a good step, good start. We talked about in the last season, prayers about reparation that uh Everson was doing for us with uh homeowners. Yep. And so we we we're hearing these these things. So maybe, Chris, just maybe. I'm 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 hoping and praying, man, that we're moving. We're moving in the right direction. We just gotta keep moving forward, dude. <laughs> I mean, I just I I get it, man, but it's just I'm tired of the symbols, man. You know. Like, do something that's actually going to help black people. Because we're the ones that suffer. You got to realize, they gave us this holiday. But think about what this holiday signifies. I'm just going to put it even deeper. The people that are going to get the day off from this holiday are federal employees. That majority (laughs) aren't even black. (laughs) I came to pod today. I'm not playing around with this shit. Well, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know my ass be at work, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Banks and Wall Street and and, and government and stuff, all that. Yeah, yeah, they get the actual day off. We can't lose focus on true democracy in this country. Now, mm-hmm. last year they painted Black Lives in the middle of streets, and okay. this—I don't mean this any kind of way disrespect to you and your and your kind, Jules. When I say this, but. They did that instead of actually reallocating budget. Now, I know people don't like the, the term defund the police, so I'm going to say reallocating budget. Painting that Black Lives in the Matter in the street, that was cool. But our inner cities are still in shambles. Our school systems sure. are still fucked up. Where are the trades for our kids? Let's teach these kids some sort of trade. Maybe college isn't for every kid out there. Teach mm-hmm. them a trade. If, a, if somebody knows two or three trades, that person will have a great life. They'll be able to pass that down. Where are the coding centers to teach these kids in the inner city how to code? We know that this world has turned into a huge tech world. So don't talk to me about making something a national holiday. Don't talk to me about painting Black Lives Matter on the street if we're not going to reallocate money to actually make 
real change happen. And we're not doing that. Think about during the pandemic, when people around here doing slow claps for those essential workers during the pandemic. They were risking their lives. But you know what they didn't do? Mm -hmm. They didn't raise their wages. No. Fuck clapping for me. I'm putting my life on the line to bag your fucking groceries and shit. And I'm over here making $10 an hour. Think about those people that were working in those factories. Amazon workers. Think about those conditions. You ain't social distancing in no warehouse. I just want people to think about that. Instead of us talking, talk is cheap. Actions is what this thing is about. And now they're going to make Juneteenth a national holiday instead of ensuring that black people have a right to vote, Jules. Well, here's the thing. What they're trying to do with this voting, uh, make it difficult for uh, black people or people uh, minority to vote. My answer, whatever you have to do, go out and vote. Because let's be honest, there's only thing you can do. Because if they pass it, okay, know what the rules are, but still go out and vote. If you got to call off work or if you have to bring your own food or you have to, whatever you have to do, you make sure you go and vote. That's the only thing you can do. Yeah, it's the only thing that you can do. But when when they put laws in place to Mm -hmm. kind of further try to suppress that, right? I'm telling you, dude, there's people that were emailing in and saying how it was taking them seven hours to vote. Seven hours. That's that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Now they still have early voting, I believe, right? They still have mm-hmm. early voting. I want to get into deep into it because those one things we're gonna get in, in this pod later on in the season. And what Prez was talking about with all the uh, the resources and and coding and trades, we're gonna get into that all in this season. So look out for those episodes. It's gonna be a good uh, good season. And these these things we talk about for for years. All this is nothing new. And all this is nothing new. And so it's like. No matter who you put in these places, it's still like it's the same old song. So it's like, as a people, a collective, as a people, okay, we had to do something different. You know, it's insane. You know, you know the definition of insanity. So, all right, we got to do something different. And then if the ones who's putting in, in these, enacting these laws and stuff, all right, next time the election come up, you got to vote them people out. And to order to get, vote those people out, you gotta you in this way. You gotta go out there and vote because those are the ones who put these these laws in, in place. No, it's true. Yeah, and so I, I think about the fact that when you want to cha- make change, it starts there. But I also think that when we want to make change, uh, I am imploring people that are listening to this show. If you know people that aren't registered to vote, get them to register to vote. If you know mm-hmm. people that have had personal stories with their right to vote has been suppressed in any kind of way, then you need to make those stories public. You need to put that stuff out here because these laws that they're putting in place, they're trying to make it even harder for us to vote. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be even smarter. We have to be even more strategic. Look at the lessons of what we saw in Georgia with the charge that Stacey Abrams led. These people on the other side, they saw that. They didn't like that. They didn't like that that state got flipped. And now they're going to do everything in their power to keep something like that from happening again. That means they're going after your ability to vote. Wake up and worry about the things in this life that matter. Stay off of social media and the dramas. Keep your eye on the prize. Our ancestors weren't in the streets in the 60s marching for our rights for us to be fighting with each other on social media about bullshit. There's things that are going on right now that will affect our children and our future generations of children. We got to step up now. We can't look at somebody else and expect somebody else to be a leader for us. Be the leader in yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror and see what you could do to change these conditions in these communities. What can you do 
it's all of our problems. It's not a situation where you move to a different community and it's you looking at somebody else and say, oh, well, you fucked up. No, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Absolutely. That's the only way. That is the only way. Start with yourself, what you can do, and expound from that. They're not going to no. make it easy. They, they, they never made it easy. No. And I ain't worried about it being easy, but right. guess what? We're going to roll up our sleeves. Uh-huh. But we having conversations like this where you guys can know these are the situations that are put in front of us. These are the situations every day that we have to encounter. So I want people to make sure that we're looking at this day. This ain't just another day where we're giving something. We ain't giving anything in this country. I haven't been given anything in my time in my life. Mm-mm. I've worked Mm-mm. my ass off for everything that I have. You're not but you know what? Mm-mm. But I also work just as hard to ensure that other people's path in this world is a lot easier than the path that I had to take. Now, you have a lot of people there to talk to you about Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. They'll talk about these brothers. These brothers gave their lives for our conditions. Mm -hmm. For Black people to be sitting out here in this world right now apologizing for what's going on in our communities. We don't owe anybody an apology for what goes on in our inner cities. We know why our inner cities are the way that they are. I want people that listen to this show to actually understand and listen to the words that we're saying. We are a proud people. We've built this country. We continue to be a vital part of this country. Stop looking at us and fearing us. I shouldn't have to change my voice. I shouldn't have to change who I am for you to be comfortable being around me. That is a problem. It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. It doesn't matter what I'm wearing. It don't matter what kind of car I'm driving. I'm a man. Fuck my profession. I'm a man first. I'm a black man. I'm a black man in America. We deserve the same treatment and the same rights that everybody else receives in this country. Don't treat me any differently. Don't try to take away my right to vote. Don't sit here and tell me that my history, I need to get over it. Don't sit here and try to placate to me about my history. I'm not letting anything go. You're going to learn today about what Juneteenth means to me and Jules, and you're going to keep hearing all season about these conditions. But we're going to talk about healing. We're going to talk about all types of things on this season. We're going to go deep. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. We got y'all. But you're not going to be able to hide. You're going to hear these stories. They're going to make you uncomfortable. But guess what? There's times that people tell me these jewels that make me uncomfortable. But guess what? I learned from that. I love that. That's evolving as a human. Uh-huh. That's how you grow. So stop trying to take our history and whitewash it. Stop trying to hide history from your kids. I'm sorry. I didn't have no. that. I didn't have that same ability to be able to hide from the conditions. When I was a young kid, I realized what time it was out here in this world. I didn't have that privilege. I didn't have that entitlement. So people that do have privilege, check that shit at the door because nobody gives a fuck. No, no, it ain't good. We don't want it. <laughs> we don't want it. Keep that. Keep that in your house. When you walk out your house, keep it there. And pick it up when you walk back in there if you want. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you tend to keep on being privileged and stuff like that, and, and, and you know what? And if you're privileged, good, good. Happy for but you. but man, good for you. But hell, don't look at everybody else with your nose up in there like and you the, like you and that's high the point. And mighty. Yeah, and that's the point, right? Because that's what happens sometimes. They're like, well, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know if, if, if it's so bad, then, you know, I don't know. You know, they got this and they got that. You know, it's like, no, you looking at this in the wrong lens. Right. Like, this this right. is me, Jules. And this I'm taking race and all this type of stuff out of the, the equation. Okay. I look at people that can't feed their families. 
I look at people when I'm doing uh, work at the, at the food bank. And I had a, a gentleman pull me to the side. And he was like, hey, man, he said, would it put you guys out if you guys could give me an extra, uh, extra loaf of bread or two? And I'm sitting here, this is a grown man that had to humble himself enough to come back and ask if he could have a couple more loaves of bread from the food bank. Now, I am not in that situation that that man is in. But am I thumbing my nose up and saying, well, what are you doing to improve your conditions? No. <laughs> yeah. <Damn>. No. <laughs> I went in the back and I got that man some bread and I said, you know what, man? Where are you working? He got laid off. Said things are tight for him. I said, you know what? Here, I'm going to give you a phone number to a guy. I don't know what kind of skills you got, but I bet he can figure something out for you. Mm-hmm. Now, my grandmother taught me a long time ago. She said, you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. Teach a man how to fish, and mm-hmm. you all know the rest. Mm-hmm. Exactly. We need to take that and apply that to every aspect of this world. Boy, that's wisdom there, boy. You teach him. Come on, man. Praise. Come on. You preaching today, boy. I told you, man, I came to pod. Season three. <laughs> you preaching today, boy. Season three, baby. But... I, I just I, I wanted to leave the audience with that, man. I, I really, really think as a as a world, we gotta do better, man. We gotta start looking at things differently, man. We gotta stop being so fucking selfish, man. We we gotta stop thumbing our nose down to people, man. Ain't nobody better than nobody, man. We all the same. I'm one mm-hmm. paycheck away from being that man in that food bank line. And I can humble myself to know that. We ain't no better than nobody. We, we just got right. we just came out of a fucking global pandemic. People losing jobs, people being taken away from their families, not being able to see their families, isolation, depression, all kind of shit. If you didn't come out of that time better from that and wanting to uplift people and do more and do better, then what did you learn from that time? All that pandemic did for me is gave me even more resolve and know, man, there's more work to be done and I could be doing more to help not only myself, but help those around me. Because mm-hmm. you can't help others until you help yourself first. And that is why I said a lot of us got to look ourselves in the mirror and understand we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to continue to make mistakes. Learn from those mistakes. And if you see somebody to the left and to the right that you can help in any kind of way, I'm not talking about a handout. You can help somebody by being kind. You can help somebody by giving them a word. There's so many times in this world where people will just see somebody and they'll just walk past them and just don't even fucking have any regard for people. When did we get that way as a society? I remember Man. being a kid. No matter who you walk past, how you doing? Good afternoon. Right. Good day. Mm-hmm. We just walk past each other like we don't even matter to each other. But let some sort of a, a situation happen where the country, for some reason, gets attacked. Now we all love each other again. That's some fake shit. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, that. walk past somebody, look in the eye, and, and get an eye, hey, how you doing? Or hold the door for people and this and that. Man, you know, you get some people out there, you go walk past, say, how you doing? They just keep walking. Just keep walking. So I say to my, I, I laugh to my, say to myself, well, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but you are absolutely right. Man, we need to bring humanity back, baby. That's, that's what that, you know, what we miss. We're missing love, man. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people just, just angry and don't get that love in their heart, man. And we, we got to get it back, man. Because if not, the next thing is what? Destruction. That's right. That's and, that's that's next. And that's what we've seen. And when we talk about destruction, and we're going to get into this in this season, but I want you guys to look around in your own personal lives. Now, Jules brought up the term destruction. 
Look around your communities, your families. You probably see a lot of situations where there's broken relationships, broken friendships, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. We got to start thinking about these things and we got to start finding ways to rebuild, to heal. So when we talk about what Juneteenth means, it's everything that we talked about on this show today. Jules, going to hit him with that curtain call, bruh. Press. This current call goes out to Opal Lee, a 94-year-old Texas native. Opal has spent years advocating for Congress to enact legislation making Juneteenth a federal holiday. In 2016, Lee walked 1,400 miles from Fort Worth, Texas to Washington to push for this legislation. Each day, Lee walked two and a half miles to symbolize the two and a half years it took for enslaved people in Texas to be informed of Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation. Well, Oprah, you did it. Juneteenth is a federal holiday. On behalf of Prez and I and Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast family, we'd like to thank you and appreciate all your hard work. All right, Jules, thanks for that curtain call. As always, you can find this podcast on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Deezer, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate your continued support of the show. Without you, we wouldn't be. We're the Pulling Back the Curtain Podcast. Thanks for listening. Peace.